morning, everyone, and welcome to Julius Baer's Moving Markets podcast. It's Thursday, the 27th of April, and my name is Helen Freer. On today's show, Carsten Menker is going to update us on gold, and Ronnie Kaufman will give us the latest thoughts from our CIO office. But we'll start, of course, with the latest market news, and for that, I'm joined this morning by my colleague, John T. Warris. Good morning, John T. So the earnings season is in full swing. Any highlights from yesterday to share with us? Good morning, Helen. Yes, US equities had a mixed session yesterday as big tech earnings helped support broader sentiment amid lingering concerns about the health of US regional banks. The tech-heavy Nasdaq 100 closed up 0.6% as a number of tech companies reported solid earnings and revenues ahead of analyst estimates. Shares of Microsoft jumped over 7% and shares of Google parent Alphabet rose 1%. Alphabet's Q1 ad sales slipped from a year earlier to $54.5 billion, but still beat what analysts were expecting. Meanwhile, Meta Platforms posted its first quarter profits, which also outstripped analyst expectations, with shares spiking 12% in aftermarket trading last night. These strong earnings from the tech majors will be reassuring to investors and advertisers alike, who will be keen to stick to the safe haven likes of Alphabet and Meta Platforms as concerns continue to linger over the health of the economy. And Microsoft were in the news yesterday, not just because they reported earnings, right? That's right. Yeah, yesterday Microsoft bid for Activision Blizzard was blocked by the UK competition regulator. The British Competition and Markets Authority prevented what would have been the biggest acquisition in the history of the gaming industry, worth $69 billion. And uh, while the UK watchdog found no issue with the impact of the console game portfolio in terms of consumer choice, it did find Microsoft's cloud gaming efforts as potentially harmful. Um, Shares in Activision then tumbled yesterday on the news, first nosediving 10% in pre-market US trading to close yesterday at $76.81, moving quite further away from Microsoft's offer price of $95 a share. And what about other action in US markets yesterday? Elsewhere, the S&P 500 closed down 0.4% yesterday, with tech really being the only positive sector. All other 10 sectors in the S&P posted negative results, with financials down 1%. And financials weren't helped when First Republic Bank yesterday fell a further 23%, extending its slide. A run on deposits at First Republic raised questions among investors about the impact of the Fed's aggressive rate hikes on US lenders. This will no doubt be something of a headache for the central bank, and investors will be keen to see how the Fed reacts from here to prevent a bank crisis from spreading. Elsewhere, US Treasuries were mostly weaker, with a bit of curve steepening. The two-year yield is still below 4%, now hovering at around 397 with the 10-year yield at 3.46 when I checked a moment ago. The US dollar index was down 0.3% yesterday and lower on the major crosses, but ending off its worst levels. Gold reversed any gains it made over the day, finishing down 0.4%, and we'll be hearing more on gold in a moment from my colleague Carsten. Bitcoin futures were up 1.6%, though well off their best levels after rising back above the psychologically important level of $30,000, and WTI crude settled down 3.6%. And anything to report out of Asia this morning? Yes, Asian equities are trading rather mixed this Thursday morning. The Aussie ASX is down 0.4%, while the Nikkei, the Kospi, Shanghai Composite and the Hang Seng are all trading in the green. And in other news out of Asia, the Chinese President Xi Jinping will try his hand as a peacemaker by sending a delegation to Ukraine to hold talks to try and resolve the conflict there after his first phone call with Ukraine's President Zelensky yesterday. According to Chinese state media, Xi made the offer during a telephone call with Zelensky and offered to help facilitate peace talks with the aim of achieving a ceasefire as soon as possible. And lastly, what can we expect for the day ahead? 
Well, we've just had Deutsche Bank report its Q1 results, uh, which show an 11th straight quarterly profit with 1.9 billion euros profits before tax in uh, the first quarter. But it also announced job cuts along with the hiring freeze in non-client facing areas. A look at the future board shows that European stocks are poised to open in the red today, while US equity markets look set for a positive open ahead of tomorrow's PCE deflator data. And it's a busy day on the earnings front today with companies reporting, including AstraZeneca, Eli Lilly, Unilever, Linda and S&P Global. And lastly, today at lunchtime, we'll see US GDP figures and weekly job claims. Great. Thank you very much, John T. Carsten, let's move over to you now. Thank you for joining us this morning. Now, the gold rally seems to have run into some resistance recently with prices treading water at around $2,000 per ounce. Um, Let's look at the bigger picture. First of all, how do you see the gold market at the moment, Carsten? Good morning, Helen. Yeah, I think it was a very powerful mix of factors which fueled gold's rally during the past few months, right? So we had record high central bank buying amid growing geopolitical tensions and an increasingly multipolar world. We had fears of another financial crisis due to this US banking turmoil. And then related to that, actually, we had expectations of a very rapid reversal in US monetary policy. And by now, I would say that these factors seem to have softened or they they seem to be softening, at least. You just mentioned the central bank buying. I mean, that's been one of the biggest stories in the gold market. Mm -hmm. As you said, we saw record volumes last year. Has that pace continued so far this year? Um, Well, central bank gold buying was off to a very strong start in January and February of this year. But the recently published March data showed uh, quite some sizable selling from a couple of countries, which... I believe, weighed on the mood in the gold market. Most notably, uh, Russia was a seller for two consecutive months and the country's total increase in gold holdings since the start of the war in Ukraine amounted to only 28 tons. Uh, we only learned that recently because previously Russia did not report. And I would argue that the gold market most likely expected a much bigger increase considering Russia's annual output of around 330 tons the sanctions imposed on international gold trade and Russia's lack of reporting since the start of the war. That said, we expect central bank buying to stay strong in an increasingly multipolar world, but we do not believe that last year's record run will continue. We also do not share the de-dollarization view, even though we see central bank gold buying primarily as a political statement against the US dollar. Okay, and what about the US banking turmoil? So just this week, we've had some quite negative news again. Do you think Mm -hmm. this is going to push the US economy into a recession? And then might it trigger a rapid reversal in US monetary policy? You're right. I mean, this topic is likely to stay with us for some more time. But I also believe that it is better understood than in early March when Silicon Valley Bank collapsed. So all in all, I have the impression that the fears of a financial crisis have somewhat faded. But the market is clearly nervous about this, uh, which is why gold has regained lost ground over the past couple of days. And in terms of monetary policy, uh, we have seen a moderation of expectations. So money markets are not pricing in such an aggressive reversal by the US Federal Reserve anymore. We agree with this, considering the resilience of the US economy on the one hand and the persistence of inflation on the other. And so overall then, what does this mean for gold? From my point of view, We would need a broad-based and longer-lasting recession paired with a rapid reversal of monetary policy to justify gold prices at $2,000 per ounce or above. 
also assuming that this would be accompanied by a return of safe haven stickers to the market. As of now, safe haven stickers are still absent, as indicated by a lack of inflows into physically backed gold products during the past few weeks. And against this backdrop, we remain cautious on gold. Great. Thanks very much, Carsten, for sharing your thoughts with us. You're welcome. And now, Ronnie, great to have you here this morning as well. So what's on your mind these days in the CIO office? What are the key topics? Thank you, Helen, and a good morning to those listening from my end as well. Look, the U.S. regional banking turmoil and how it transmits to the real economy is certainly still in our minds, even more so given the recent news flow around First Republic Bank. On the banking sector, the latest data from the Fed show that the deposit flight at U.S. commercial banks has been losing steam of late. The same actually goes for the Fed's liquidity facilities, where troubled banks have previously been tapping emergency credit lines since mid-March. For the record, depositors were actually withdrawing their deposits even before the banking crisis unfolded, simply because they could find higher yielding alternatives elsewhere, including in money market instruments. It is therefore clear that this phenomenon has affected the liability side of banks' balance sheets, which in turn affects the asset side as well, as banks are left with less capacity to lend. Now, incoming data confirms that commercial bank credit growth is indeed slowing, especially in the commercial and industrial sectors, but not drastically. So why does this actually matter? Well, a sudden stop can slow the economy significantly and even have deflationary consequences, which is why we know that the Fed is certainly watching as well in its discussion of how much the current backdrop leaves for it to do itself via further rate hikes. And how does this affect your market outlook? Have there been any changes to your portfolio positioning? Look, the short answer is it doesn't know. So in terms of the market outlook, we continue to believe that we have entered the final phase of the tightening cycle. In fact, the Fed funds futures market agrees and is pricing almost 200 basis points of Fed cuts, as I checked earlier this week, over the next 18 months, which is even higher than what was priced just before the great financial crisis. So this also tells you that the consensus view is that the economy simply cannot sustain interest rates at current elevated levels. Our defensive repositioning in recent weeks has been commented on extensively in previous episodes on here. But the point is that we are increasingly comfortable having moved up the quality ladder in both equities and fixed income. Less cyclicality in fixed income and the focus on companies that are able to generate free cash flow and therefore have the ability to use internal financing as a primary low cost and low risk source to sustain operations should ultimately be rewarded in the current context. And there's so much going on. Are you watching anything in particular at the moment to get a better idea of where the markets are heading? Well, as we heard earlier, the earnings season is in full swing. This week's set of results from the mega cap tech stocks will be a decisive element to the short-term direction of the market. And probably even more so than usual, as the cohort continues to dominate the year-to-day performance of the S&P 500. Apple, Microsoft, Alphabet, Amazon, NVIDIA, Tesla and Meta platforms still accounted for just over 80% of the year-to-date gains on the index as we went into the current week. So overall, the first set of results looks roughly in line with what has been expected, but granted it is still early days. More broadly, we believe that forward guidance will be much more important relative to actual results this time around, as the impact of the financial sector turmoil that unfolded in mid-March is unlikely to be meaningfully reflected in reported Q1 numbers. 
That's all for me. Back to you, Helen. Thanks very much, Ronnie. Good to get your thoughts. So that's all for today. Thanks again to John T. Carsten and Ronnie. Great to talk with you all this morning. And thank you all for tuning in. Do join us again tomorrow. I'll be back with more of my colleagues, including Tim Gagey, who will have all the latest from the currency markets. But until then, have a great day, everyone, and bye for now. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. Please refer to www.juliasbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further other important legal information. Beyond Markets is a weekly podcast where Julius Bear experts and external speakers discuss some of the latest market developments. They share their key research and insights on today's ever-changing economic landscape and present practical advice. Search for Beyond Markets on your favourite podcast player.